Welcome to the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. I'm anxiety treatment expert and licensed mental health counselor, Justine Carino. I'm here to help you understand the root of your anxiety so you can create new habits that actually stick. Toxic behavior patterns, dysfunctional relationships, and childhood family trauma are all linked to the anxiety you experience. And that's exactly what we dive into on this podcast. Join me as I guide you through flipping the script on your negative thoughts, setting healthy boundaries in your relationships, and cultivating a self-care practice that's as unique as you are. From my couch to yours, let's create your path to peace. Hello, everyone. I am back. Welcome to season two of the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. I have been on a podcast break since December 2021, and I am so ready to share my new episodes with you. I have really amazing guests lined up for this season, and I already started recording many conversations with them. And that's the beauty of taking breaks. You get excited, creative, and make choices out of a place of rest instead of a place of stress. I'm a workaholic. I've been this way forever. And listen, I love what I do and I'm excited about what I do, so it's really hard not to work all of the time, but I'm really trying to work on this addiction of mine. And motherhood changed me and it gave me other priorities that I need to focus on. So I've been making some really big changes in myself and in the past few months, I'm trying to get rid of this habit. I've been very uncomfortable with slowing down, but I'm doing it. You know, I had been recording episodes for a year and a half straight while I was also running a full-time private practice during a nationwide mental health crisis. And I was raising two little kids, one being a newborn at the time. And I really didn't have much rhyme or reason to these podcast episodes, except wanting to get you guys to think a little bit differently about your mental health, have more conversations around mental health, talk about relationships, talk about dysfunctional patterns, my favorite, dysfunctional families. Um, So I just wanted to get info out there. But I've learned and grown so much since starting this podcast in the shutdown of 2020. And now I know more about what you want to hear. So in this season, you will get to hear all about illness anxiety disorder. You will listen to me talk to my favorite psychiatrist, break down myths of psychiatric medication. We will unpack emotions related to divorce. We will learn about hidden causes of anxiety and really so much more in this season. I can't tell you at all. I need to leave you hanging. (laughs) But another reason I took time off from podcasting was so I could focus on my first ever online course, The Path to Peace. It is here. Let me tell you a little bit about it. You know, this course is designed to help the overachieving, people-pleasing perfectionist gain control over the racing anxious thoughts, manage overwhelming feelings of anxiety, and really craft a unique self-care routine to optimize their mental health. And everything is evidence-based treatment methods in there. And these are the methods I use with my own clients in my private practice. These strategies give you a sense of freedom from your own obsessive and unhelpful thoughts, help you live more presently and with more ease and help you make decisions out of intention instead of decisions out of fear of disappointing others or fear of abandonment. In this course, you will receive a concise video series where I walk you through step-by-step how to practice mindfulness, reframe unhelpful thought patterns that lead to anxiety, 
gain some control over your anxious mind, create a personal mental health routine, and set boundaries with your relationships and time. The videos also have numerous tools that will help you reinforce all of these skills. So I talked about it. If you're interested, head to my website, carinocounseling.com or my show notes to check it out. So that was a big deal. (laughs) That took up a lot of my time. So I did that on my podcast break. I also, what else happened during my break? Me and my whole family had COVID and both sides of the family. We all had a nice Merry Christmas Eve and Christmas Day dinner where we exchanged COVID germs on both sides. Luckily, and thank God, everyone was fine. I also was a guest speaker on International Women's Day for a major corporation in the States that was really exciting. And I talked about five ways to manage anxiety. And I talked about how people pleasers and perfectionists and overachievers are more vulnerable to developing anxiety. And I also was quoted in the Huffington Post in an article. So a lot of fun stuff happened on my break. Sometimes when one door closes, other doors open. Um, And now I'm back and I'm excited. So let's get into this episode. And the purpose of this episode is to teach you ways that you can manage feelings of anxiety. I haven't done an episode like this. I've kind of sprinkled my knowledge throughout other episodes, but I wanted to get concise and focused for you guys. So what I'm going to talk about is a long list. I think I have like 17 or 18 listed here. These are strategies that I encourage my clients to use, but also things that work for me personally. I am an anxious person. I never knew I was until my adulthood, but looking back, I was an anxious child. With what I know now and the training I have now, I was selectively mute as a toddler and really didn't start talking to anyone outside of my family um, until I was about six years old in first grade when I started doing ballet. I was always described to be extremely shy, but after talking to my family and my mom and really understanding what was going on at the time, I would diagnose myself with selective mutism, which is a form of anxiety. What else could I say about my anxiety? I grew up as a trained ballet dancer, so I became extremely perfectionistic. Um, With ballet, you need perfection. Um, There's no in-between, so I became addicted to the, the need to be perfect. I always did well academically. I'm always strived for high achievement. Um, I'm driven, but I'm also a workaholic. So I've had my fair share of experiences with anxiety myself. So I'm going to share stuff that works for me personally, but I'm also going to share what works for my clients. Okay, so I'm going to begin with one of those basics of life that we often ignore and we take for granted or really minimize. So anxiety management tip number one is... Consistent sleep. I know you're sick of hearing this, but good sleep is absolutely necessary for you to function both physically and emotionally. Without sleep, the ability to adequately regulate and express emotions is completely compromised. If you've ever had a newborn, you know exactly what I am talking about. (laughs) The area of the brain that manages emotions is directly impacted by sleep. Rapidly emerging evidence continues to describe an intimate relationship between sleep and emotional brain function. There's a relationship between sleep and our amygdala, 
that helps us with our feelings. So these findings are really mirrored by long-standing clinical research and observations. And the, these studies have found that nearly all mood and anxiety disorders co-occur with one or more sleep abnormalities. But, you know, I have to say, is it the chicken or the egg? Is someone anxious and depressed, therefore losing sleep as a symptom of that? Or were they not sleeping, had bad sleep, and made them more vulnerable to developing an anxiety disorder or depression? I'd have to get more into the study to see how they measured that. Um, but studies have also shown that sleep loss has consistently been associated with you know, reports of irritability, emotional volatility. You're more likely to engage in conflicts with your partner, with your siblings, with your children, with your coworkers, if you're not sleeping. So lack of sleep impacts the emotion regulation centers in your brain directly. So you're much more emotionally reactive when you don't get good sleep. Studies also show that sleep deprivation appears to trigger a state where rewards are overvalued and losses are undervalued. So this means you're going to go for the unhealthy but rewarding foods, substances, behaviors, you name it, and you're not going to make such wise choices. And so they're finding that sleep disturbance is a recognized hallmark of addiction and addictive behaviors. And it leads to this idea that sleep loss represents a common and pretty reliable predictor of relapse in numerous um, addiction disorders. I'm going to nerd out here. So research also shows that increased limbic activity in the brain is positively predicting anxiety disorders such as worry, rumination, and many that have co-occurring impairments with the quality and quantity of sleep. You know, what's really concerning is that individuals with higher levels of trait anxiety are at higher risk for developing an anxiety disorder if they are losing sleep, which is so interesting. So sleep directly relates to anxiety. So everything that I'm sharing with you also is from what I found in a research article called The Role of Sleep in Emotional Brain Function by Andrea Goldstein and Matthew Walker. I by no means did this research myself. I research other people's research online. So this is, sleep is something I'm always talking about. And some people get so bored, like, duh, I know I have to sleep. But there's science behind this. Sleep can directly impact your emotional health. So that's number one. Get it together with a consistent sleep routine. That's the basics. Okay, I yelled at my daughter because she decided to dump an entire glass of water all over the bathroom floor on purpose while just looking me dead in the eyes. And in hindsight, it really felt like a mom fail that I reacted that way. You know, her spilling the water wasn't even a big deal. It didn't matter. I was just feeling really stressed out about work, getting to the kids to school on time. And it was just one more thing to clean up and deal with in the morning during chaos. And it was a little overwhelming. I'm a busy working mom, and for the longest time, this was almost a daily recurrence. Yelling at my kids because I was so stressed out. And it kept happening because I didn't know how to take care of myself and get the care I needed. So instead, I became drained, overbearing, and an irritable mess in the house. <laughs> so now, through 
intentional self-care strategies and some simple techniques for anxiety and stress management that have become non-negotiables for me. I am doing more that I enjoy and stressing less. I want you to have the same relief. I want you to have more days with less mom guilt, more moments of fun and presence with your kids and making good memories with your family. Also more of living your life well. Join me for the Path to Peace live group program to clarify and prioritize what you truly want for yourself and your family and learn how to slow down and say no more often to the things that don't align with you. You can learn more about the Path to Peace by clicking the link in the show notes or heading to carinocounseling.com. Tip number two, exercise or incorporate consistent movement into your life. Right? So exercise looks different for everyone. For some people, it's you know going out for a walk with your dog. That's movement. That counts. Other people might be training for a triathlon. That might be their exercise. For me, it's waking up at 5.15, going to my basement and getting on my Peloton or using my weights and getting on the Peloton app. It used to be going to bar classes or ballet classes. We used to be going to the gym. It's changed over time based on the season of my life. But exercise and movement could be different for everybody. But movement, move your body, change your mind. That is something I'm always talking about. So if you move your body, you will shift your mood. And that is important. Number three, limit substances like alcohol and marijuana. So these substances can be fun for people on occasion, but they are making you more vulnerable to levels of anxiety and depression, especially when you're withdrawing from these substances. So when you are coming down from having a night out with drinks, you're more likely to wake up feeling anxious the next day or depressed during the come down. Same thing with marijuana. Same thing really with any substance. There's a withdrawal that impacts your brain, that impacts the emotion centers of your brain, makes you more susceptible to feelings of anxiety and depression. For other people, it can create levels of paranoia. So substances can really impact your levels of anxiety. Okay, tip number four. You may not like to hear this. It's going to go with tip number one. Tip number four is to wake up earlier to set a slower pace to your day. Yes, wake up earlier. Wake up an hour earlier. Wake up 45 minutes earlier. Maybe it's 30 minutes earlier. Whatever it is, wake up earlier so you're not jolting out of bed and running around like a crazy wild animal trying to get it together so you can get out the door. That's already triggering your nervous system, sending hormones through your body that are making you vulnerable to that fight or flight response and you're on your way to work or school or wherever, half asleep but awake because you have to rush somewhere. So duh, you're going to feel anxious if you start your day that way. You need to make an effort to go to bed earlier so you can wake up a little bit earlier. Set that slower pace. Eat your breakfast. Maybe you check the news. Maybe you have a nice slow cup of coffee. Maybe you go out for a quick walk with your dog. I promise you starting the day that way is going to make a huge difference and it's going to feel really good. Number five. 
limit the amount of time you spend on social media. This sounds like an annoying recommendation, but it is true. I recently went through and deleted people um, I was following that I was triggered by, which is tip number six, (laughs) unfollow people that trigger you. Um, But time spent on social media, we never feel good about. It's a time suck. Then we start getting into our head. We're comparing ourselves to others. We're starting with the shoulds. I should be doing this. I shouldn't be doing that. Yada, yada, yada. The thought patterns that you have related to going on social media is the problem, not social media itself. Social media is a tool that we have to use in a way that works for us. And sometimes we're using it in a way that's making us feel bad. It's making us feel worse. And we need to recognize how to change the use of this tool. So limit the amount of time you're spending on social media. Six, unfollow people that trigger you. When you have the option to remove a person from your life virtually, do it, right? So we have to tolerate the discomfort of people that trigger us when we have to interact with them in life, like at work or in a class or our neighbor. I'm all about tolerating discomfort, exposing ourselves to our triggers that we have to face. But online is an optional space and it's a choice. So if you could choose who you're interacting with online, then be really wise about who you're interacting with and who you're following and who you're paying attention to. If there's something on there that's triggering you over and over again, remove it. Go ahead, give your permission to remove that person or those people or those things. Okay, number seven, and I'm talking about tips of anxiety management, is meditation right? So, you know, there's so many apps out there that can help you. I like to meditate better when it's a guided meditation. Someone's guiding me. Maybe you like to do it on your own. You just put music on. You can find meditation in so many different ways. I like to run. To me, sometimes running with a good playlist is a way of meditating. So you have your own way of meditating. Meditation helps calm the nervous system And again, here I nerd out, studies have shown that as little as five minutes, three times a week of meditation um, helps communication in two centers of the brain. The brain that deals with executive functioning, which is kind of like the planning and the organization center of of the brain, and the amygdala, which is the emotional part of the brain. So if the executive functioning part is communicating better with our amygdala. That basically means we can learn how to regulate our emotions better and more effectively. So fascinating brain scans and research has been done that meditating five minutes, three times a week improves that communication in your brain, which means you are less reactive to your triggers, which means you slow down and process things before acting impulsively. And if you struggle with anxiety, you struggle with impulsivity. And you want to train that brain. You want to rewire your brain to slow down your reaction, calm down that nervous system, make choices from a place of being calm instead of a place of panic. You'll be a lot happier with your choices that way. So that's why meditation works scientifically. Tip number eight, deep breathing exercises. This is a good one because you can do it anywhere at any time and no one has to know. 
You can do it on the fly. You can schedule deep breathing exercises into your day. Whenever you're starting to feel panicked or anxious, slow down the way you're breathing because it's activating the calming response of your nervous system. So instead of the fight or flight gearing up, it's triggering the opposite response, which is the relaxation system that's going to calm you down. So when your body recognizes that you're breathing more slowly, it's like, oh, I'm not in fight or flight anymore. I can be calm now. And your body starts working the other way for you. Number nine is my favorite, going to therapy. So therapy will help you manage your anxiety in so many ways. The type of therapy probably matters. Your therapist matters. You want to have a good relationship with your therapist. You want to know what kind of modality they're going to use with you to help you with anxiety management. I always recommend cognitive behavioral therapy. Having someone to talk to that you're not related to, to, they're not a friend, you can tell them anything, and they're trained to reflect back to you in certain ways that gets you thinking about yourself and your choices, gets you thinking about new ways of coping, points out your patterns, ties your patterns to your history, your childhood, your trauma, whatever it is. It's amazing. I go to therapy. I'm a therapist. I've been in and out of therapy since I was, I first went when I was 23 for some time, and then I recently went back, and it is such a good way to manage anxiety. Number 10 is medication, if necessary, right? So not everyone who deals with anxiety needs to be on a medication for it, but if you have a diagnosed anxiety disorder, I'm going to tell you that research and studies show that a combination of therapy and medication yields the best, quickest outcome. I know there's a lot of stigma about medication. I'm going to be talking to one of my colleagues, Dr. Shreya Nagula, in one of the episodes about myths related to psychotropic medication. Tune in for that. Um, But some medications like an SSRI can help you manage your anxiety on a daily basis. And what it does, it gets you to a baseline. So you can start practicing those everyday skills that you learn in cognitive behavioral therapy or just, you know, talk therapy. Um, It makes it easier for you to implement those skills and techniques. So medication is another recommendation, but if you need it, you need to be evaluated by a psychiatrist for that. 11 is limit caffeine intake. So caffeine is going to increase your heart rate. And if you are someone that already struggles with heart palpitations or a fast heart rate when you're panicked or anxious, caffeine is going to make it worse. So limit that. Also, if you struggle with anxiety, you probably have a hard time falling asleep. We want to make it easier for you. So then maybe set a rule that you don't have caffeine after a certain time of day so you can fall asleep easier so you're more tired. Tip number 12 is to journal your thoughts. There's so many different ways to journal. My current practice is writing down um, 10 goals and how I'm going to get to those goals and five things that I appreciate or I'm grateful for that day. But for other people, it could be writing out their thoughts. A lot of my clients like to write out their thoughts and bring their thoughts to therapy so we can review them. They record their triggers, they record how they coped, but so many people benefit from just doing a brain dump of all the racing thoughts they have because anxiety 
can make you overthink and ruminate. And sometimes we just got to get it out of our head and put it on paper. So journaling what you're thinking about is a huge way to manage your anxiety, especially if you have a hard time falling asleep. Journal before bed, do a brain dump, get it out, get it out of your head. You'll fall asleep a lot better. 13 is practicing gratitude. Even if shit is horrible in your life, horrible, there's always something you can find, maybe one little glimmer of a thing that you are grateful for. And listen, maybe you're in a deep, dark place right now, and that's hard. Okay, so this wouldn't be your go-to right now. This would invalidate you. But if you're in a place where you're anxious and you can identify things you're grateful for, that can shift your perspective It makes you feel a little bit differently. If you're in a state of gratitude, it's hard to be in a state of panic. Usually we're also worried about things that could happen in the future. You know, anxiety does that. We're worrying about the future, the what ifs, the worst case scenarios. Gratitude makes us kind of reflect in the present and brings us back to the now and makes us think of all the things we have now that are good, that are going for us, that maybe once we wish we had and now we have those things. So Gratitude is a great way to manage your anxiety. 14 is get outside. Plain and simple, go outside. I don't care if it's zero degrees outside. Bundle up. There's no such thing as bad weather. You can find a way to tolerate the cold or tolerate the heat just for a little bit. Being inside for too long makes your anxiety worse. Sometimes we think it'll make it feel better. It doesn't. It reinforces it. Move your body, change your mind, just get outside, even if it's just sitting on a stoop. You don't even have to go out anywhere. Get outside. I remember um, on both of my maternity leaves, both of my kids were born in October, so it started getting cold. I bad with being inside all day, and I remember my husband would get home from work, and like I would have to immediately go for a walk outside, or I'd even bundle up the babies and take them outside with me. It just was so good for my mental health, my postpartum that was going on. I had to get outside. It changed my mood drastically and changed my anxiety so much by just getting out there. 15, slow down your schedule. If you have less on your plate, you will feel less stressed and anxious, right? So you might need to actively take time off of work, plan to take a day off here and there. Don't overpack the weekend anymore. Make a conscious effort to slow down your schedule. This is where I'm at. It's hard to do if you're someone that has a lot of energy and is driven and you're go, go, go. It's hard to slow down. It feels really uncomfortable, but it really helps you get a a grip with the anxiety you're feeling. 16, learn to delegate. So this means delegate to others when you can, like your partner or your kid. You know, you don't have to do everything all the time. I'm sure you're doing things you really don't need to do, but you think you need to do because you're a control freak and you don't want anyone else to do it because if you think they'll do it, it will be bad. So let go a little bit and delegate a little bit to somebody else. Hire help if you can, when you can, right? That could look so in so many different ways. If you're sick of fighting with your child about their math homework and they're struggling, Talk to the teacher, ask the teacher to meet with them. Maybe you hire a tutor for that subject. 
hire help with a business coach. If you run a business and you have no idea what you're doing, you're spending more time, money, and resources trying to figure out what you're doing than hiring a business coach to help you. This is going to be like a simple suggestion, but I swear to God, it has changed my life and the life of my friends. Home Chef. I discovered Home Chef um, probably like two months ago because I'm anal and overprepared and overorganized and I was spending so much time writing down like the meal plan for the week and what I was going to cook and making the shopping list and meal prepping on some Sundays and I started to dread all of it. I hated the time it took. I hated how crazy I would get with it. I hated everything about it. And then I tried Home Chef because a friend tried it and it's awesome. I do not have to think about the meals I'm planning for the week, nor do I have to shop for those ingredients. I just go on the app, pick out the menu for the week. It is mailed to my door and they are so good. Like they taste so good. I've tried other meal plans in the past. They didn't taste as good and they ended up taking me like three hours This is quick, especially the oven-ready meals. And I realize I sound like an advertisement right now. I'm not kidding you. Like, I have nothing to do with Home Chef. I I have a discount code, but they give everyone a discount code. I'm not special. I'll share my discount code with you. Um, But the oven-ready meals are really easy, and you just pop them in the oven and wait for them to be done. And sometimes I make a few in one day, and we're good for a few days with food. So I'm not going to lie. Using Home Chef has changed my time, my energy. It's now a task I don't have to worry about that meal prep. But yeah, I do have a discount code for $35 off your first order. And that is Justine C70. And I'll also include that in the show notes, but that's Justine C70 for $35 off your order. And yeah, I literally, like if you sign up for Home Chef, you're going to get a discount code too. Like that's why I have one. I'm not special. Okay. 17 is distraction. So when you're highly anxious, you are so in your head, it's hard to focus on anything else. Sometimes you need to take a break from those racing thoughts. So do something that's going to distract you. Maybe it's intense cleaning while you're blasting music. Maybe you start organizing the closet. Maybe you start making playlists for every mood that you're in. Maybe you pop in some TV shows. Maybe you open a book to read. Do puzzles. Color. I'm not kidding. I don't care how old you are. Coloring is so relaxing and distracting. Gardening. I had a client recently tell me how much gardening has helped with their anxiety because it just distracts them and they're outside and they're in the dirt and they're committed. Great coping skill. Organize photos on your computer or your phone. That can suck you out of your head for a little bit and let you relax. Create photo books. Do whatever it is that's going to distract you from the way you're thinking. Take a break from the overthinking. Okay, last but not least, there's five more big ways that you can cope with anxiety that I mentioned earlier that are included in my course. So the five pillars that I go into in the Path to Peace are mindfulness, practicing mindfulness for anxiety management, changing self-talk, 
learning how to personify your anxious mind or name your anxious mind, how to create a personal mental health routine, which I mentioned in episode 40, and really learning how to set boundaries with people and time. Um, and in the course, I go into some reasons why we're afraid to set boundaries, but also give you some scripts of how you can practice setting boundaries. So this course is by no means therapy, but it can give you foundational tools to help you start your mental health journey with anxiety management. So again, you can find that link in my show notes or at carinocounseling.com. So that's it. I'm sure there's some I've forgotten, but those are my top anxiety management skills as of right now. I'm always learning. So if I have some new ones, I'll share with you in another episode. But there's a reason behind why I do what I do, why I have the private practice, why I have a podcast, why I created the course. I truly believe people can change patterns and they can change their mental health. They can change patterns of dysfunction that were modeled to them while growing up. They can unpack these. I call these people cycle breakers. I know this is a common term out there. But unhealthy patterns of communication, emotion management, relational interactions and trauma are passed down to us from generation to generation. And we can learn how to unlearn our conditioning. If you can become a better person for yourself, for your, re- for your relationships, and especially for your children, this world becomes a little bit of a better place for all of us. You know, we cannot change the way we feel. I don't want you to think that. We need our feelings. We can't control how we feel, but we can change the way we cope with how we feel. If you can learn to manage your anxiety more effectively, then you're giving your own children a gift that can't even be put into words. Okay. I hope you learn from this. I hope you put some skills from this episode into action. DM me on Instagram. Let me know what works for you, what didn't work for me in this episode. I love hearing from my listeners. So thank you guys for tuning in. Welcome to season two. I hope you enjoyed listening to the information shared during this episode. For complimentary anxiety management tools, you can head over to my website, carinocounseling.com. Thank you so much for listening and go enjoy all the moments your day has to offer you.